welcome to the first episode of season two of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast series where we watch films that my co-host missed in his childhood. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by the aforementioned co-host Eric. Hey everybody. And uh, what movie have you pulled out of the hat for this week? Yeah, um, I have pulled out Can't Hardly Wait. Get out that way! I can you seen Amanda Beckett? Yeah, imagine saw her. I'm thinking about asking her out, boy. Oh, God, you're a hot. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs. Columbia Pictures presents an event 18 years in the making. When you find out who your friends really are. I don't think she's prettier than Gwen. Not even. What your future really holds. I am going to have sex with someone at this party. And how one night can change your life. I don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there. And for me, it's got to be Amanda. Can't hardly wait. Wishing has the winning play. Huntington, Huntington, hey, hey, hey! Yes, this this is one that I adored as a uh, uh, kind of early teenager, I guess. I came out in... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just getting waves and giant thumbs up from my wife, who is a massive fan of this film as well. But um, yeah, this is one that uh, huge for me, like when I was, I think, 12, 13 years old when this came out. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, kind of the perfect What year was its release? 98. 98, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you mentioned you have no idea what this film no, is about. No, I realised I don't. Um, I don't know why, like, I, and I don't know, this would have been, like, the f- kind of, I know this is the kind of film I would have loved. Mm. Like, I really, well, I'm pretty certain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty certain this, this is that type of, like, um, that just that, that teen comedy, really good ensemble cast kind of film that I would have really enjoyed. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I have no idea. <laughs> like, you know, well, I actually have zero okay. idea. Well, based off of the, uh, I'm holding up the DVD cover art. Mm-hmm. Based on the picture and the title, what what do you think? Um, well, can't hardly wait. There's a guy hugging a girl who I thought might have been Neve Campbell. <laughs> yeah, you guessed the other Party of Five cast member. <laughs> don't, don't, I didn't watch Party of Five either, so you haven't helped me at all. Um, and then there's a girl going to lick a young-looking Paul Walker, but I'm pretty sure it's not Paul Walker. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give some context for what Eric is saying. Uh, he thought Jennifer Love Hewitt was Neff Campbell. <laughs> That's the one. And uh, Lauren Ambrose, the, the young Paul Walker is Ethan Embry. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, can't hardly wait. I'm just wondering if this is a good old, like, teen coming of age kind of thing. Okay, so you're thinking more like the, the teen romancy sex romp. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that... Wholesome-ish, kind of like 10 Things I Hate About You vein, maybe, or... I'm not sure if it's going to go full American Pie, but the the other thought is, is it just like a bit of a um, dazed and confused finishing school kind of thing? Maybe not like the day off, but is it a getting out of school or something like that kind of thing? Not really sure. So that'd be intriguing to what on earth this is about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. It's one of those ones I've just always known is out there and just... Actually, once you actually show me the cover, I'm like, actually, I got zero idea. Yeah, yeah I have no clue about yeah. this. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. This just was a go-to film for me back, you know, when I was, you know, a young teenager, I guess. It's just easy to watch. Easy to watch, super fun, highly quotable. Yep. And uh, as, as you'll watch it, I guess, you'll, you'll be inundated with, hey, what? That guy's here? Yeah. That girl? What? <laughs> I, I think that'll be... 
you're exactly right there. It's that like that late 90s, like that's the age where I would start recognizing and know everybody. Awesome soundtrack as well. Like super 90s. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Semi Charm Life. Yeah, I think so. Well, I hope so. I'm pretty certain that was the year for semi I'm life. pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> so, if nothing else, you've nailed that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to kind of say about this one. Um, just a, a classic go-to teen film for me, yeah. I think. And yeah. I think because of that, like, and when our age, when it came out, it's, it's mm. one... I'm, I don't think... I'd be kind of shocked if this had a cinematic release actually in Australia because yeah. I'm feeling. It did. Oh, it did apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I had a um, magazine with TV hits. Oh. In 1998. Yep. That like the TV hits, and I had the posters, and I didn't get to see it. My mum would not have let me see that. I was, <laughs> I, I was 11. Yep. <laughs> but I. Nice, okay. So we have confirmation. It was in cinemas. Yep. Claire had posters on her wall. Claire was a super fan girl. Yep. <laughs> had everything up. Yep, so this was that that was that kind of film for you. Yeah. I think that's uh that's reason enough for us to to give it a spin and Yeah, see what definitely. You yep. Find out what I missed out on. Yep. Let's do it. Go for it. That was Smash Mouth. <laughs> it certainly was. Oh. But it, as far as Smash Mouth songs go, it's the more acceptable. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> I, don't, what? I don't know how to comment on Smash Mouth songs that much, to be honest. <laughs> the way to comment on Smash Mouth is to just laugh. <laughs> you just have a good old chuckle and think, wow, that was 98. Yep. <laughs> that is 98 in a nutshell. So it, we did a bit of a count on the Smash Mouth. Yeah, four times that four song. Times. And no come. other song doubled up at all, but including the credits, Smash Mouth had four cracks at it. Uh, and they had two songs as well. And their music video is featured as a DVD extra. Yep, it all, we watched it. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt even shows up in the clip. It's got the, the good old classic multi uh, what would you call them? Like power swipes or... I just call it nauseating. <laughs> nauseating. Quick edit... Um, Transitions of the film over uh, Pinkhead, Smash Mouth lead singer man, and then he grinds on um, Jennifer Love Hewitt for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's nineteen ninety eight. It's reminiscent of uh, Smash Mouth constantly in this film. It's a bit like Top Gun, our first episode for season yes. one, where <laughs> take my uh, take my breath away, yeah. like slowly being drip fed throughout the film. It's just, just just like. Party started, let's put on Smash Mouth. Yeah. Instead of an Academy Award nominated song, we have Smash Mouth. Oh, no, Academy Award winning song, I yes, think. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Uh, but um, otherwise... Enough, enough Smash Mouth. Enough oh. Smash Mouth. It was in it a lot, everybody. Yeah. If you didn't remember. Um, <laughs> but no, that, that was a heap of fun. Yeah. Uh, you were kind of right with your... With one of my two guesses. Yeah. That... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think it's going to be like a Dazed and Confused-esque. Yes. <laughs> it is literally 90s Dazed and Confused. It is. It's just like a redo. It's even got the Matthew McConaughey character. Yes. <laughs> and even has one character saying someone is a hip-hip lady. Oh, that's right. Yes. You know who else I like who never got much play? 
is Velma from Scooby-Doo. She, right, she was also a cool, she was a hip, hip, hip lady. Chick. So yeah, I um, oh, yeah, I kind of guessed fairly correctly. Yeah, it's, it is pretty much that film. We're in, mm. whereas I guess, uh, there's less Days, spanking. Yeah, Days of Confused <laughs> is a little bit more grounded and, I mean, it's a Richard Linklater film. It's, it's a period piece as well. Yep. And I think it deals more with kind of, uh, life as opposed to high school politics yes like it's a, it, um days and confused is very much sort of a coming of age kind of acceptancy yeah. who i am and like like the guy who really just needs to like punch the bully kind of thing mm. um and and a few things like that um and these people kind of finding their place in the world yeah it's more of a world thing whereas this is a Finishing high school, becoming college students thing. It, it's directly dealing with high school is politics. Over. Yeah. And high school politics all of a sudden as... as um, What happens when that stuff doesn't mean... Like the stuff that you've made the basis of your entire... Yeah, all of a sudden Mike is not going to be Mike anymore. Yes. And then what happens? Yeah. And, <laughs> and like the nerd wants his revenge and sort of stuff. And then he gets the party and it doesn't matter anymore. Because yeah. alcohol is, exists. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry, kids. High school's over, but alcohol begins. Yep, alcohol starts now. Uh, <laughs> well, I will be drinking. <gasps> but William, you could get drunk. You could get addicted. Uh, yeah, no, that was... um, Yeah, it was very... um, Really easy to watch, really light-hearted. Mm. Um, very entertaining. Core stories were really good to follow. Um, <coughs> yeah, there's, there's essentially only about three kind of yeah, ongoing plot lines. Yeah, you kind of got Preston and, and um, Amanda. Amanda. Um, oh. To a lesser degree, and then you've got, like, Mike is kind of an offshoot of that. Mike, Mike and, um, what's Nerdy Kid's name again? Uh, William. William. Mike and William sort of had their own little kind of... Well, William's story more, which Mike Mike sort of swaps between both. And then you've got um, Preston's friend, uh, what's her name again? So many characters. <laughs> I'm desperately looking up. I am blanking on who Lauren Ambrose plays. Yes, I know. Like, it's, yeah, you've got... Um, her and Seth, Seth Green. And Denise. Denise, that's right. Denise and Kenny. That's right. I'm not going to remember these names. Apologies to everybody. To, to me, I'm just like, you're just Lauren Ambrose. I just yeah. six feet under. Come on. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you kind of got, got all of them. Um, so you've got these almost like... Sort of three core stories, I guess. In a yeah, way. with all, all, all involving six characters, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all taking place, um, final night of school party. Yep. Yeah. And it's just super fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like they have plenty of little side stories and side characters that are involved enough to be able to like interchange. And this is what they're up to now. Like, um, like Sherman from American Pie, just stealing stuff all the time. Yeah. Chris Owen is the, just, uh, the actor's name. It's like we need a little, like little comic relief. Let's just have him steal a police car or a gumball machine. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's credited as Klepto Kid. Fair enough. He is the Klepto Kid. Definitely. Yeah. But I think it, it's really great that it's set at entirely at the party. It's this weird, wonderful yeah. little microcosm where you get to enhance the ideas of high school. Like instead of just mm. essentially doing a high school film about the politics of high school in a high school, it's, like no, just this one simple small yeah, location makes it not easy to shoot. They don't even include the graduation, pretty much. There's just yeah. like the tiniest bit of that. Um, and then from that as well, like you've got, if you've ever got a dull moment, you're just like, uh, weird interaction with someone. Yes. Like weird side character now. Yep. Yep. Um, let's have the band. Yes. Oh, oh my God, Breck and Maya, come on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the first show ever. Don't screw it up. <laughs> the band. <That's> the <laughs> 
We're just going to start like reeling off names. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to be going to you for a few of those actors' names. Like I, I listed a few as they popped up. Like you've got Selma Blair popping in yeah, here for a sec. Yep. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart, Sabrina the oh, Teenage Witch herself. That just brought back memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your eyes kind of bugged when you saw her and you were like, 90s! <laughs> My sisters loved that, so we watched that a lot. That was a great show. Yeah, it was a very entertaining show. Um, so that's one where I could... Um, I was like, oh, wow, I remember her. Yep. Uh, Jason Siegel in his first film ever. Was that his first, was it? Yep. yep. That was his uh, first thing. It's pre-Freaks and Geeks, actually, which is yes. the kind of a Judd Apatow-y, Paul Feig show that kind of launched Where him and Rogan and Franco and all of them. Yeah, that really kicked them off, didn't it? Yeah, but he, weirdly, he ha- he's credited as Watermelon Guy. Yeah, so what's the story behind Watermelon okay. Guy, apart from the bit where you see in the film where he has the vague remnants of a watermelon left? So... His part was mostly cut, but it's still in the trailer. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, so they released the trailer before the final cut of the film. Or they, yeah, or they just used the original cut, I guess, to piece it yep. together. And he plays a guy who filled a watermelon with bottles of vodka and left it in his freezer for six months. I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for... <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a pity that was cut. Yeah, but that's the weird thing about this film is the battle that it under it underwent with the MPAA. Yes. In terms of being able to get a PG thirteen rating, mm. I, I don't know why, but they were very very harsh on them. Uh, the directors, um, Deb Kaplan and Harry Elfond, yeah. about showing kids drinking and doing drugs and stuff when the entire premise of their film is a high school party. Where kids are drinking into Yeah, like uh, that's what the, the script always was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, watching it now, like, if there were, like, a few other added things, like, there's one scene where William, the famous I have, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> yes. I can't feel my legs. I have no legs! <laughs> he, he looks to be, he's holding a salt shaker and a lemon. Yeah. He, it's a CGI lemon because he's actually holding a shot of tequila. Oh, really? Yeah, but they <laughs> wouldn't let them show that. But you're like, really? That's like... I mean, it's, it's fascinating is how you're not allowed to show something, but it's pretty clear. Yeah, and that's why I think there's a lot of like flash and jump cuts, like using like, your flashes if it's, you know, someone's yeah. taking a photo to kind of cleverly edit away some yeah. stuff. But um, there, there's nothing necessarily in this film that if there was added drinking like that, that would push it to be an R rating, I don't think. Especially now. No, not to that. But even back in 1998, I don't think there's... It's overly bad. (laughs) No, I mean, clearly they're all just inebriated. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Ah... Never know what the sense is. Yeah. Oh well, so we, we missed a few few potentially good scenes as yeah. a result. I think the 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 two main people that were cut there's uh, Amber Benson, who um, Claire was really excited about, uh, Tara from Buffy, <laughs> is in briefly one shot where she's really stoned staring at a banana. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I forget the actress's name, but I know she played Jan in the Brady Bunch movie. She played a crying drunk girl, who again is seen in like one shot, but. The crowd surfing shot, was that right? Yeah, but apparently she there was a running gag with her throughout the film where she was just crying and drunk and all of her dialogue was subtitled. Yeah, so love it. It's like a nice little yeah, thing. Perfect. It's just another wacky little... Yeah. Oh, well. Yep. Oh, well, we lost some good bits. Luckily, there was so much else around it. You, didn't, you don't. Yeah, and it's... You, know, you don't feel like you're missing any of that. No, and it's the thing of the film is a brisk 90 minutes. Like, it is... Mm. Credits are done by an hour 30. Yep. So... And it works perfectly for it. Yes. And I think if, you know, it, it felt bloated a little bit, like by adding, if you had all of these things, it, it just might not work. Might get work. a bit 
Yeah, because if they managed to get those through, there probably might have been other scenes maybe and it might have just blown out a little bit. Like, yeah. The, the story lines like Preston and Amanda's and stuff felt like they were tied up within the right amount of time. Mm. Like, you know, of course they were going to end up together. Yeah. Like we knew that. It's a teen film, It's yeah. a teen film. Um, but, you know, it, it just seems to go through the right number of challenges. Um, you know, he gets he gets his hero challenge. Um, yeah. He hits the bottom of his circle or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As you were we, saying. We hit the middle of Act 2 when a, and a hero is at his lowest point talking to Jenna Elfin, yep. dressed as an angel stripper. Yep. <laughs> Another 90s. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing how many of them didn't really go anywhere else after that. It's. I don't know if it's necessarily had to, though. No, no. Like, yeah. But it's interesting, like, so many of those, like, Jenna Elfman and uh, Melissa Joan Hart, massive in the 90s. Yeah. And then, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, it's just like, and even Jennifer Love Hewitt. Well, like, I, she's I mean, still around. Like, she was on Ghost Whisperer. That lasted, like, six seasons yeah. or something. Uh, she was in the, uh, I know what you did last summer movies. They were 90s, though, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I suppose. Uh, early 2000s Heartbreakers with... Sigourney oh, Weaver and Gene Hackman. That's right. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah. Yeah. kind of wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, like, there's some massive names at the time. Mm. TV, TV. And like, I guess that's the thing, though, with teen actors and, and films and stuff, isn't it? Like, of any generation, like, I mean, out of Dazed and Confused, apart from Matthew McConaughey, who went on to really continue on? A lot there. Really, I don't know the cast very well. Someone, so. uh, Ben Affleck. I'm going to take that one. Stop it now. Um, <laughs> Rory Cochran. Um, uh, Parker Posey. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, never mind. Um, yeah. We'll leave this one to Chris. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, even in this one, like, even though it's just highly recognisable people as well, uh, mm. I think not necessarily for us, but the guy that plays Mike, Peter Fascinelli, he yeah. is... Uh, in all the Twilight movies, as like the is head really? of the Cullen family, I think that's oh, what the really? vampires is this are like called. A super vampire. Yeah, he's like Rob Pattinson's dad or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I so saw the first one. <laughs> yeah, he went on to be. Yeah. Okay. So like he's in all of those and a big part of those films. So went yeah. on and did that. Seth Green is Robert. Seth Green. Yeah. yeah. Robot Chicken and everything <laughs> animation else. god at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Ethan Embry is still... Yeah, what's cost- he doing these days? A lot of weird uh, little indie films as well. Um, yeah. The what, first one that jumps to mind is a couple of years ago, he was in a great, really gnarly little movie called Cheap, Cheap Thrills. Yes, I've heard of that, but... Yeah. Where uh, he... Him and this other great actor, Pat Healy, uh, meet this couple at a bar. It's Dave Koechner and Sarah Paxton, and they just have an endless stream of money and they start like daring them to do stuff for yep. money and it just escalates and gets to really dark places. Uh, interesting. It's yeah. a really fun little movie. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, he's, he's a nineties, eighties and nineties kid actor that I kind yep. of have loved in a bunch of stuff. Like, I've um, only seen him in Empire Records, I reckon. Okay. Yeah. Well, that I can think of. Yeah. Uh, he's in a John Hughes production called Dutch. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of his first real big role, I guess. Uh, He's in Mighty Ducks 2, I believe. Oh, is he? I think so. Um, I love that movie. He played Rusty Griswold in Vegas Vacation. (laughs) (laughs) He's in uh, White Squall, the Ridley Scott movie. Um, Okay. Bunch of stuff, yeah. And apparently you were saying he was pretty high for most of the filming. Yeah, oh God, I've got some fun (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Apparently Jennifer Love Hewitt gave him a teddy bear full of breath mints for their final scene at the end (laughs) when they had to kiss because everyone on set knew that he spent most of his time smoking weed in his trailer and so she didn't really want to kiss him. (laughs) 
But yeah, um, he very openly claims to uh, not really remembering filming this movie because he was so stoned all the time. Well, I mean, that's the thing with that kind of part. Like, yeah. The film is a party the whole time, even though he's in the car most of the time. And But that's... Uh, I never really knew that until, no. like... Recently, he was on uh, the Kevin Pollock chat show, a really great podcast, um, yeah. where he's just like very openly talked about like when they were out on the ocean for White Squall, he was dropping acid <laughs> and stuff. Like he was a very wow. wild guy in his younger years. I, mean, I must admit, I was watching him in that final scene with um, with Jennifer Love Hewitt in the train station, mm. and that he barely blinked. <laughs> really? I mean, he's such a wide-eyed guy anyway. Yeah, like, but and, but I think that works for the character because he's like bedazzled he's, and amazed. He's the innocent. Yeah. deer in the headlights kind of he's like oh my angel but that my actual <laughs> angel yeah <laughs> the fact that he if he was that stoned throughout making this film nailed that performance I was going to say it worked well for him <laughs> yeah he did, like it did not come across and it made no. Preston an interesting character I guess yeah I wonder what he would have been like otherwise mm. How, how did that storyline work for you, I guess? Like, I, do we want to maybe go through yeah. the three and discuss, yeah. like... I mean, that, that is the kind of major one, is Preston and Amanda. Yeah, that's, that's obviously the, the core one. I mean, like, the film opens with him, and she is poster girl for the whole film. Yes. So, despite not really being in it that much. And until the end, not giving much... Given much to work with no. at all. Um... You're meaning kind of her big monologue speech, I guess. Like, you know, yeah, and, until Mike. she gets to confront Mike, like her scenes are, are, are weak and diluted and she comes across as she doesn't get many lines and they're not delivered well. Just no. there's nothing to work with. And I was just sitting there going, Hmm, I don't remember watching her much back and I thought, man, can this girl act or not? I'm not really sure. <laughs> then she gets a monologue and she yeah. sort of she just right I just felt, man, she's everyone else is just just you just she appears not to their level. It's, it's almost like, oh, she's the famous one from that TV show. Yeah, and that's exactly right. You know what? I think I'm I'm gonna go outside and get some fresh air. But then once she actually gets her monologue and stuff, and she, I'm like, oh no no, cool. Actually, she actually gets to talk a bit now. Yeah. Um, she doesn't get much to work because she just gets really soft lighting and some. Yeah, know, I do notice. Yeah. She's constantly backlit, so she's yeah. got like that halo yeah. light around. She's got halo hair. Yeah. Oh, and she's got big hair. And uh, <laughs> oh my god, massive nineties <laughs> wow. hair. Yeah. So um, she didn't get given a lot to work with, and uh, anyway. That came through later. But uh, that storyline, um, yeah. I think based on the fact that she's not given much to work with, and I mean in terms of Amanda, the character is just kind of there. Yes. For a lot of it. like, And because of that, you just get the sense of, well, does Preston just like her because she's attractive? Like, yeah. you don't really get a sense that you there is... You never really get that. There's, there's not really much to any of that, that that reason he likes her because he saw her the first day she arrived and he regrets being beaten to the punch by Mike yeah and they had the same pop tart and she was pretty she reached into her bag and pulled out a strawberry pop tart the very same breakfast pastry that I was consuming at that moment yeah <laughs> and that's it he never obsesses about her personality or anything um, it's not to say he's definitely superficial but you're never even at the end like there's nothing to it really like he's no. just like you're my dream girl and I, I've, I've always thought about you and he's clearly comes across as a very nice guy like it's nothing good or bad about him he's, he's just, easily every man he is very much an every man mm. and um the, the only interesting thing about him is that he is a huge fan of Kurt Vonnegut and he's yes. going to write his workshop yeah, like, like, and like oh hang on can I just see a sequel that's just about Preston meeting Kurt Vonnegut please <laughs> They go time traveling together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, 
So yeah, that that, that storyline was fine. Like it, it wouldn't, it wasn't anything particularly deep or incredible. But I didn't expect any more, and I didn't feel let down by it either. I think it's the it's the baseline. Yeah, it's it, kind it, of it's the teen everyman base kind of neutral story of like, oh, a guy wants the popular girl, like yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then because you have that baseline, you're able to kind of swing with the other storylines. Yeah, you can, everything else can, you can muck around with them. And I, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it just provides you this really level path. It's an anchor, I guess. Yeah, a perfect anchor. Um, they both do their, their roles well. You can send Preston off to meet Jenna for Jenna Elfman yep. um, in a car park. Yep, just squeeze in another weird cameo there. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and get some more get some more songs on the radio while he's in the car. Oh, God, the Barry Manilow. <laughs> I think it's about his dog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, the um, the Seth Green and um, Denise, uh, De- Lauren Ambrose. Yep. yep, Lauren Ambrose, Denise, and um, Kenny's storyline um, was, you know, as soon as they get locked in the bathroom together, it's quite predictable. But it's yeah. also kind of nice. Like it, it moves along at a nice pace. I, I, it moves at a nice pace, and I think they have two really naturalistic performances. Yes, that you buy it, and yep. you kind of. You connect with those two. Their chemistry is probably the strongest. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of not many have to have a one-on-one chemistry, really, to be honest, in the film. but And it's kind of nicely set up early on that they used to be friends back when they were in grade school and things. Mm. And then so that you know that there's a little bit of tension there. And then once that kind of gets dealt with, you get the sense that these two people were actually really nice friends. Yeah, they're definitely good friends. Yeah. Close friends. And then high school hit and... Life is very different in high school when you yeah. enter it and when you leave it. and um, Which, like, works as, like... Because Mike and uh, William's kind of mm. example on the politics of high school is very kind of extreme, I That's guess. your classic jock versus nerd. Yeah, whereas yeah. this one, the Kenny and Denise one, works as a kind of better way to show what... Boys and girls being friends, hitting yeah. high school, and um, it being very, very different all of a sudden. We used to play Miami Vice in my basement. We used to sleep over my house. You had to leave the hall light on every night. Your Kenny Fisher used to buy me a card every Valentine's Day and, and, and a bag of those little hearts with the words on them. And your Kenny Fisher suddenly got too cool to hang out with me when we hit junior high. Because I, I was in all the smart classes. And because my parents didn't make a lot of money. And because you desperately needed to sit at the trendy table in the cafeteria. It kind of... Being being popular means so much in high school. And I don't know, they didn't have as many, like, in, um, in, like, from memory. Once again, I'm going back to Days and Confused because there's so much overlapping. (coughs) But um, there was some fairly heartfelt monologues in that one. Oh, yeah. Um, And so it didn't didn't lean into them as heavily, but also didn't leave that sort of stuff behind. No. Um... Yeah, yeah, hers it, is a good example of one that was was pushed enough, yeah, um, and still suited the tone of the film beautifully. Yeah, it could in in less capable hands, it could have seemed really heavy handed and overdone. But yeah. I think like it's that beautiful combination of like just just well balanced. Yeah, really well written and really well acted. Yes, yeah. I mean, you could have skipped over it too quickly. Yeah, a, a little bit like they did their fight and makeup. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I did that was, joke that that happened in a minute and a half. They had their fight and then. He, okay, cool, we're fine. And then um, he learned how to apologise. That was his growth. Yeah. Um, and he learned how to be himself and yes, not... Yes, he stopped. Can we talk about Seth Green's performance for the first half of this film, please? Yes. So if I roll up on that shorty, like, what's up, yo? She'd be like, oh, yeah. you don't know 20 different ways to make me call you Big Papa? Because I don't, yo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the great 90s entrances, I think. <laughs> yeah, 
what, what is he even? Uh, it's he like doing? a crush zoom in on him, man. Yo, I gotta have sex tonight. <laughs> Just the over the top white hip hop yeah. 90s style. Yeah. Oh, flashbacks. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, those jeans. Yeah. Yeah. And he crushes it in this film, yeah. I think. He, he, I think, by being given that kind of absurd character to begin with, yeah. he, like, brilliantly recognises, okay, I'm the comedic foil for this first half. Yeah. Let's go for it. Yes. Let's, let's ham it up. Yeah. But, but consistently. Yes. And then it means that when he actually converts to being genuine, mm. and yeah, like I said, like, learning to be himself. And then, of course, is the moment where she kind of borderline criticizes his sexual performance or, or sort of, try, I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, she originally starts like saying, you know, it'll, it'll be better next time. Mm. And then, then she, it's, it's just miscommunication. It's just awkward, awkward, awkward Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Which is why he, it's solved in a minute later. Yeah. So. And then he retreats straight back into his shell, understandably, and yeah. becomes that um, caricature. Of Special K. <laughs> Man, Kenny. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and so yeah, and, but he he retreats into his shell, and it's just just not that much. He just changes language. He brings the voice out again, and the language, yeah, style, and you're like, oh, and you just notice it just on the communication style because you haven't really, you've, he doesn't suddenly just click his fingers and stop talking like a white hip hop boy. No, it, it just gradually kind of drops out of his vocabulary quite. You know it. Naturally, you definitely yeah. notice it, but it's not a sudden. And it's also a scene where they're both stripping down their layers, essentially, because they're criticizing each other's wardrobes and what they're acting like yes. and their habits, and they're slowly, you know, taking off their shoot. It's essentially yep. them stripping down yep. until they are left as the people that they actually yes, are, rather than their social shields or something like that. And that's when they actually connect. Yep, it's like, really good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's and and in such a light-hearted film as well. Yeah, um. <laughs> but this is to me is is quintessential Seth Green. Yes. I, I would say the one... Like, a lot of people go to Scott Evil. <laughs> yes, because yeah, you get a lot of exposure for that one. Yeah, well, that was a year before this, so that's, like, yeah, kind of what it was really... Yeah, wasn't it? ...launched. Um, but whenever I think of Seth Green, it's either this or Idle Hands, like, the two oh, hands, yeah. quintessential kind of <laughs> ones that I go to. Stoner Boy, basically. Yeah, Stoner Boy, yeah. And white hip-hop guy. <laughs> yeah, he just suits that role well, because he can actually act. Yeah. Um, that monolo- that inner monologue scene where he's, like... Oh, you know, the Alright, <laughs> this is it. It's finally time for Kenny Fisher to become the man. Not the my laps, and all ten finalists are present and accounted for. Ten lovely ladies, y'all. Each one at my disposal. Ten willing and able tour guides into the theme park of love. But who will it be? Which of you gorgeous ten will be the lucky one? Hey, yo, Kareem, baby, what's up? Nine, which of you gorgeous nine will be the lucky one. Oh. But there's a lot of, like, I mean, for lack of a better term, his robot chicken crew shop in the film, like, you've got yep. Breck and Meyer, yep. I mean, essentially as Loveburger, the band. Yes, yes. <laughs> you've got Breck and Meyer and Donald Faison and stuff yep. popping up there. Um, you've, speaking of bands, you've got every member of DuJour from Josie and the Pussycats is in here. Yes, because <laughs> who else is in? There's those, those two and so and Seth Green, uh, Donald Faison, Breckenmeyer, and yeah. then uh, the guy who's the foreign exchange student. Would you like to touch my penis? 
Oh, is he the other du jour guy, is he? Yeah. Okay. Um, because Josie and the Pussycats, another fantastic film. Yes. Completely underrated, I think. I really totally like that under, movie. Yep. Uh, that's the only other film made by these uh, writer and directors. I could see the same level of kind of uh, comedy and things yeah. like that. Uh, they have not made a film in 17 years since then. I guess Josie and the Pussycats didn't do all that well in the box office at not all, did really. it? And, and this one didn't do great. No, I could... Which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're both very niche yeah. For, for a very small teen audience, I guess. But. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a tricky one that way. Um, I thought William was great. Yes, Charlie Cosmo. Yeah, man, he switched it on. Yes. Uh, this was the first time he had acted since Hook. Was it that long? Was yes. It? So he hadn't acted since 1991. He had actually quit the business. And yeah. uh, when he, he basically, he actually replaced an actor. Oh. Uh, where is it? I've got it. An actor called Adam Han Bird was originally cast as William, but after a couple of days of filming, he was let go and replaced with Charlie Cosmo. Uh, there's actually one shot of him left in the film. It's when they're like sneaking in with the ladder, but it's like oh. a long distance you can't yeah. see him. But um, yeah, so Charlie Cosmo had quit acting, and at the time when he got the call to come and do this, he was studying engineering. What was it? What was he studying? Physics at MIT. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also the last time he acted. Wow. Uh, after that, so he, he got a degree from MIT in physics. Yep. Uh, he worked for the EPA and for the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. He received a Juris Doctor from from Yale Law School in 2006. Okay. <laughs> um, he is a professor at Case Western University in law. And in 2011, uh, Barack Obama uh, nominated him for, to be a member of the Board of Trustees uh, of the Barry Goldwater Scholarship and Excellence in Education Foundation. Imagine if your professor was the kid from Hook. I know, right? <laughs> and the kid from this. And the kid from Dick Tracy and What About Bob? Like, he's only been in like four or five films, but like all of them are great. Wow. Except for Hook. Yeah. Yeah, good save, actually. That audio would have come back to Hawk. Yeah, that would have come back to bite you. <laughs> um. But that's like one of the greatest, like, most interesting, like, yep. quit acting and became a, like... A, ge- a genius. A genius. Or well, essentially was always a genius. Yes. But then Did a little bit of acting on the side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Physics degree from MIT and then a law doctorate. Like, yeah, gosh. From Yale. Okay, fine. All right, go for it, man. Sure. <laughs> but, but he is wonderful in this film. Yeah, yeah. Really? I, I can't imagine anyone else in this role. No, he was great. Um... Like, he, he does the, the sober nerd part at the start really well. Yeah. And then he plays the drunk nerd really, really well. Oh, that's when he shines. Yes. Hey, I know this song. I know this song. I know this song. A guy I tutored math used to make me listen to it. Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Won't you please take me home? There is no greater rendition of Paradise City. <laughs> that was good, actually. Yeah, no. yeah. It's like th- those ones can be a bit hit or miss, but no, the, the casting was really well and delivered it beautifully. I, I honestly think this film is why Paradise City is known so well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially for people of our generation. <laughs> I love it how it just is like that classic. Like, did those two girls just go into the cupboard with him? Yeah. So lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, well, his arc is super interesting, actually. Mm. And it kind of shines a light on what the film's essentially saying of, yeah. like, high school doesn't matter. Yes, <laughs> it doesn't. In terms of 
social politics. No, get through it. Yeah. And move on. Um, because, you know, he's a guy who's felt ostracized his entire high school career, yeah. shows up at the party, is able to actually let loose yeah. and embrace, and is embraced by everyone yeah. <laughs> to the extent of... He befriends Mike, basically. Yeah. Do you reckon that scene well, I, at the end where he's not friends with Mike anymore, do you reckon that's Mike saving face in front of his friends? Yes. Or is it kind of a little bit of a message um, just saying alcohol isn't isn't the tool to make you cool? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I was just wondering like that because clearly Mike probably wasn't going to embrace him in front of his mates. No, I think Mike is the person that doesn't learn, necessarily learn a lesson. Mm. I think it is Mike reverting back to... Being Mike. Being Mike. And, and then that, hence his end title card says that he got <laughs> fired from his job at the car wash. <laughs> and uh, lost his scholarship. And, yeah. Yeah. I, um... I love um, just all the little side stories going on at the party and yes. things like that. Like, um, we mentioned the band, but even like um, when Jennifer Love Hewitt's asking um, asking after Preston, um, Jason Siegel and the other... And the stoned guy. Yeah, the, the stoned guy. <laughs> yeah. And they're just describing him. Preston? I don't know. Well, his hair is kind, I don't know. Brown? No, it's not really brown. Oh, he's tall. Yeah. He's kind of, kind of tall, sort of tall. And he's like always wearing like t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> like an everyday guy. It's so wonderful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The, those little moments, like, it's, like I was saying earlier, like when we have a dull moment for one of our stories, a weird party guest, yep. a weird, weird party scene. Here's the party host. Like yeah. she, she was great to pop up every now and then, like super enthusiastic at the beginning and then realizing her house is getting destroyed. Yeah. Um, but not <laughs> focusing on her, but just having her progressively deteriorating throughout the And similar to Melissa Joan Hart yep. with the yearbook signing, like each yep. person has, you get a sense of who is at this party yes. and, all, and you periodically check in on everyone. And that guy who like is, tr- who basically just blocks Preston, not, not, not hair part guy. We'll talk about him next. Oh um, yeah. Um, the guy. Still shirt middle part. Yes. <laughs> all right. We'll talk about him now. No, no, no. Let's, let's uh, stick on memory guy for a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the guy is like trying to share all the stories yeah. of the person who ends up at the end with Melissa Joan Hart. Talking yearbook about, lady. Memories. Yep. Yeah, yeah, memories are all we have kind of thing. It's great. Um, so that ties him back in. He does it makes, makes him more than just the guy who showed up in the film yeah so they, they do tie a few people back in it, it's that you can tell that like there's that extra care from the yeah. directors here they're like yeah we're not just throwing in joke guy because yep. we can and need to here it's yep. actually no we want this person to be an actual person and yep. have a payoff and set up and yeah even, even like klepto kid all he does is steal stuff but they even they just bring him back at the very they, they end. pay him off at the yeah, end they pay yeah. him off at the end like he's still stealing things and they're still just as stu- they're stupider than before yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, I just, I, that was just really well done. It wasn't overdone. It was just nicely done. Yeah. Um, but yes, <laughs> silk shirt, middle part. <laughs> oh, what a 90s bad boy. Oh, In like God. a lunch cut kind of way. Yes. <laughs> Creepy lunch cut as Creepy, well. Yeah. Because the revelation of... Their cousins by marriage or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Anyway. But, uh... I mean, even that scene serves, a, like, a twofold purpose in the sense that, like, when he leans in and kisses her, mm. it kind of makes Preston downhearted, which he goes off and... Yeah, drives him away. Yeah, but then it also serves the purpose for establishing the kind of mistrust of what all these high school guys are wanting yes, from her. It, exactly. It's planting the seeds of all these ideas. So. Yeah, so when she does the official, like, mass break up with Mike when he decides, oh, hang on, I need her back now. Yeah, um, after he gets his sage advice from Jerry O'Connell. Oh, Jerry O'Connell just steps in there. Like, yeah. Mate. Guys like us, we are a dime a dozen. 
<laughs> then it's the moment that's over, like just a random dude hits on her. The stoner she's just been talking to hits on her. Yeah, and no one is subtle in no like, because everyone's drunk. Yes, and so drunk like that's it's, uh, you it's, know by this time it's you know two in the morning, three in the morning at a party, so yeah. no one's going to be subtle. And then when you know it then leads to then Preston comes to make his big um, proclamation exclamation. Yeah, um, she's already heard like five like that, and she doesn't know who Preston is. Yeah, <laughs> so. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but the 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 actual final breakup scene between Mike and Amanda when he drunkenly tries to... Yeah. He doesn't even ask for it back. He just goes in for the kiss. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, that's, that's who he is. No one says no to Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but it, you... We joke that it's this wonderful scene of utter humiliation yeah. that is punctuated with what you describe as the classic 90s gut punch. Oh. <laughs> just say it someone just calls out from the crowd fag yeah that's the one thing I will say is like super 90s and has not aged well no he's not aged at all <laughs> yeah you're just like oh boy but that being said like the 90s by this point in the film the 90s nostalgia has washed over us like a gentle sea yes, <laughs> and you can't help but you're like oh yeah I remember that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah it's just like oh Man, back in the 90s, that would have... Yeah. Hmm. But I do love that every 90s stereotype is represented in this film. Yeah. Like, yeah. the atypical jock, you've got the nerds, the white hip-hop kids, yeah. the super activist girl, like, hippie yes. girls, yep. the goth kids are there. Yes. <laughs> like, everyone's yep. the on the exchange display. student. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you get a little bit of everything. And the exchange student, you get to, he gets reused beautifully. Yeah. Like, so well. Yes. And it's, like, again, set up payoff yes it's like not... you, you think that scene is just this weird one standoff yep. standalone scene but then it gets payoff yeah it's yeah. Great. well well done like good good reuse and a point where you're like oh he must he's either practicing talking to himself Preston here um, or, or he's talking to somebody I, I well, want, or... it, it begins with him breaking the fourth wall and yeah, staring straight down the camera yeah and I was just like is this just what Ethan Embry does in every film yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you could get away with it in this film because it, that's why the joke works so well is because they've already established flashback heightened flashback with like lightning yes. effects and smoke yeah uh, inner monologues from characters yes, exactly like you can get away with that's a storytelling device here yeah yep. and then it ends up just being a setup for a great joke perfect joke yeah exactly you just think he's telling his story again and yeah no that was very nice um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, my favourite line in the film, which is the wonderful advice that William gives Mike about women. Who needs it? You know, you know what they say about women and trolley cars, right? There's plenty of them in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb and great and perfect. Yeah, uh, exactly right. That is that <laughs> just brilliant. Well, they're both just drinking from a party girl's dad's. To- Canter or something, and then it's like the punctuated thing with like when the cops break in, he's like, "It's the cops," and he just breaks <laughs> into a ragtime. <laughs> he's just being ragtime on the piano. The cops! No, the cops! <laughs> so it's it, that's why I love this film. It's just like chock full of little quotable yep. nuggets like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, does, it doesn't really like slow down too much, even in the in the. The low point in Preston's night and things like that. There's still it pops back to the party often enough that the pace stays up. Um, yeah, I think if we were isolated alone with Preston for that entire time with Jenna Elfman, it'd be pretty dull. 
Yeah, it, mm. but they, they very cleverly never linger on any storyline for too long. It's that yep. it's a wonderful job of like keeping all the balls in the air. Yeah, the yep. only time they really join two storylines probably too closely together is that moment when um when Kenny's um chasing after what's her face. Yeah, uh, Denise. Thank you. Street, yeah, um, that's the only time that there's not like a break between story moving forwards yeah every every other one is just broken nicely but you never forget what part of the story was essentially at that point we were finished with the Amanda Preston story like that's kind of that's wrapped up for the night yeah and similarly with Mike and William pretty unconscious by that stage and in jail (laughs) (laughs) those police are very judgy yeah they're quite judgy again another 90s (laughs) (laughs) oh man but um I guess we better talk about soundtrack Yes, we should. Uh, oh my gosh, they, they didn't stop, did they? No! Like, it's like another 30 seconds is over, let's put in a new song. Well, that was kind of fun sitting there now watching it, just like, we were trying to name as many songs as we could. Yeah, we did pretty well. Well, we got uh, Funky Cold Medina, yep. uh, Six Underground by Sneaker Pimps. Yep. I picked More Human Than Human by White Zombie was in yeah, there. Well done. Tricky uh, by Run DMC. Yep. Uh, God, there was a Busta Rhymes song in there as well, and yes. a Missy Elliott track. Yep. Um, yeah. And of course, Blink-182, damn it. Damn it, yeah, that was well-timed. And That's a perfect, like, little montage scene at the that end. That was great, yeah, the perfect, party like, breaking up. that song. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, when they were actually filming, they were like, we have... We, we just actually have to trash this house. Yep. All the extras and everyone, go for it. And so they just, like, let people destroy that house. And, and is that why like, the cop got sprayed in the eye with Silly Street? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were just like, go for broke, everyone. We're yeah. going to just roll constantly for like half an hour to just, an hour. Just go. We just want some footage. Yeah. yeah. And we'll splice together what we got. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Awesome. Creative. But yeah, the um, the soundtrack was just, yeah, classic. Yeah, watching it now. Yes. It's like, wow. And we were wrong. No semi-charmed life. No, there was another Third Eye Blind song in yeah, there. Yeah, I, I don't know what. No, it was, I didn't know they had more than one. Yeah. Right. I'll check the credits and drop it in now. Yes. That, that song. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard it before, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but has anyone heard any Third Eye Blind song other than Semi Chum Life? I thought they just had one big single. Yeah. <laughs> they are I literally they, a one bit. Yeah. There was a Creed song in here we noticed. Of course there was a and Creed a 311 song. track. Yes, yep, and a Sublime song was on there somewhere. We saw and it wasn't Santeria. No. <laughs> so it's, it's the best of the 90s, mm-hmm. late 90s really, as, as you'd expect. Yeah. Um... But I don't know, like, I guess we should probably start wrapping up on this one, but uh, obviously I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I think in large part because I grew up with it. Yeah. And it's, like, a very classic, like, put on a, v- a VHS, like, rewatching yes. it constantly. Yep. And especially as a young kid, it's, like, so many memorable little moments. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed it now. Like, um, that's a really easy one to relate back to, being mm. a late 90s film. Like, it's so similar to some of the other films I did watch, like American Pie and things like that. Maybe not as dirty as some of those sorts of ones. But, yep. there, you know, a few others and similar comments. Like I said, I love Josie and the Pussycats and stuff like that. So, comments like, and then just such familiar actors and actresses, soundtrack and everything, and execution was so good. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, one, if you'd watched, like, when it came out, when we were 12, 13. would have loved it. Yeah, yeah. would have definitely loved going up watching that. It would have been an absolute classic. Mm. Um Uh, Do you want to hear a little bit of info on it before we wrap up? Uh, So the film had a budget of roughly about $10 million. Mm, Yep. 
which I'm assuming is mostly for music licensing. Must have been. <laughs> Pay for a lot of bands. And uh, it went on to gross $25 million at the US box office. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. Not, not much. Uh, it was the 74th highest grossing <laughs> film of 1998. Um, What's no, number 73? <laughs> I don't have that. I know number one was Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah, with yeah. With like that half was, a billion or yeah. something. So, like, 25 million. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah, this, yeah. But I think that helps it become such an interesting cult film. Yes, a cult. Point. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's... It's a well-known movie, and yeah. for one that, uh, yes, it's not Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And like I said, Harry L. Fogg and Deborah Kaplan haven't made a film. They've only ever made two films. Mm. Uh, both are fantastic, well-executed, and cult classics, I think. So yes. yeah. there's nothing wrong with only having made two films if they're yeah. both this good. Like, <laughs> actually enjoyed by a certain bunch. It's nice if you can keep going on and make more, or yeah. make some absolute super-duper ones, but... But if your strike rate is, you know, two for two, just, just <laughs> no complaining. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, that'll probably wrap us up looking at uh, Can't Hardly Wait. It will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there any other alternate casting or anything no, like that? Not no. Really? Okay. Not really for this one. I'm no. Because um, everyone from the 90s is in this film. Yeah. Who else are you going to put in there? I yeah. guess Sarah Michelle Gellar and that was about it. Yeah. Well, she was too busy... You know, off making Buffy, Being so that's Buffy, why ninety yeah. percent of the supporting cast and <laughs> guest stars of Buffy are in this film. They got everyone else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't get you, but we can take everyone else. Yeah, um, but yeah, I guess that'll wrap us up. So I think it's time for you to pull another film out of the hat. It is. Yeah, here we go. So uh, next episode, we're going to be watching. Oh, so Aussie Crocodile Dundee. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So being an Australian. It's funny, this movie actually, I'm not sure how much it's worshipped by our generation, but obviously it was such a big deal for Australian tourism yeah. and impact overseas, uh, so um, that it needs to be seen. Yeah, um, I've done a little bit of free research for this one, because mm. um, obviously we didn't know what, what we were going to be pulling out of the hat. No. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it deserves to be in the hat, I think. Yeah, <laughs> for, it's, it's impact on us making Australia known to the world. And I think in terms of film for the year like yeah it, it's yeah. super interesting yeah. <laughs> the impact of that one so awesome yeah mm. uh, so I guess tune in in a fortnight's time when we uh, get a little bit of Paul Hogan oh big Paul <laughs> yeah um, but other than that uh, we'd love to hear from you if you want to send us an email you can at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com uh, otherwise uh, yeah please rate and review us on either iTunes or Stitcher uh, it's greatly appreciated um, otherwise we'll catch you next time For this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric, and uh, we'll see you in a fortnight for Crocodile Dundee. Let's play some Smash Mouth. (laughs) No. Somebody! (laughs) I'm not playing Smash Mouth. No, I'm playing the replacements right now. Yeah, Chris. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.